Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Did it make it to the pictures? It did. No, wow. it did. Kristen put it in. Wow. Remember at the end? Way to go, Kristen. At the end, you said, none of this is going to make the podcast. We challenged Kristen. We were like, put it in. Right. You know, because it's her neck on the line, not ours. Uh, you know, if, if we get in trouble, we just go, Kristen should have taken that out. Oh, yeah. Blame it on Kristen. Mm-hmm. That's when in doubt. Blame it on her. Or I just blame you. But what's up, Kristen's Ahmed Farid. You look so cute today. All manicured haircut. beard, haircut. Thank oh, you. you're so cute, little Ahmed. This is my best shirt, too. I wear this a lot. It's a uh, nice shirt. It's a- I wasn't going to call you out on it, but I think it's two out of the last three podcasts we've no, worn that I shirt. Think I've, I know. You just remember it because it's so bright and so red. It is similar to your blue and black. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> I see that one quite a bit. I feel like that's your good. I haven't worn it since June. See? Same thing. It just sticks out in Bullshit, head. bullshit, bullshit. We'll go back. Okay. We'll go back and look. Yeah, I'm going to guess two weeks ago you wore that shirt. I think it was farther back. But you that. do like this color, too, which could I be do. confusing. You have a Henley that's that, like, maroonish red color. So that might be confusing my brain, too. No collar on that. This right. is the collar. right. Okay. This right. doesn't show the sweat We'll let it fly. Much. We're going to the videotape. We're calling Al River on. We're going to check it out because <laughs> we're not sure. All right, uh, let's go. What do you want to talk about today? So we got, we got a good one. Yeah. Well, Wednesday, always every Wednesday. Deep dive. What the F happened? Yeah. Right. What, what, you, what we the, put you in a room. Yeah. We put you in a room, and we lock the door, and you look at these games, some of these individual players, and tell us what the F happened with it. So we'll look at Cowboys-Falcons. I know. Uh, we'll look at Cowboys, Falcons. We'll look at Rams, Eagles. You want to look at Jared Goff. Yeah. Paul Paul pushed you a little bit. He was like, maybe you're just a Goff hater. Maybe <laughs> you just will never love him no matter what he does. Um, but we also want to look a little bit. Did you look at Carson Wentz and what's going on with their offense? I got everything I need. I know we want to talk about Dallas, Atlanta, yep. completely, both sides of the ball. Yep. Rams, Eagles, both sides of the ball. Um, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Josh Allen. Let's look at Josh Allen. Breeze. Brady. Let's look at Breeze, and let's look at Brady. Seen a little bit of the Giants offense versus the Bears defense. If we had to go there, I've Mm. seen a little of the Jets and the Niners. Whoa, that's a little. That's not I know. I don't think we're going to go there. And a little of the Saints defense versus Oakland, but I'm not done with that. I'm only in the third quarter right now. Okay, all right. And at the end, time permitting, as always – we have our Trevor Lawrence top pick power. Oh, rankings. well, we, we're definitely. What do you mean if we have time? I mean, Huge shake It's our fucking podcast. It we're is gonna, We're going to go make forever. time. Kristen just uh, rolled Poor right Kristen. that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah, we'll get to that. Huge shakeups for the top pick in my power rankings there. But that is at the end of the podcast. Uh, before we get into kind of the deep dives on some of these teams, let's just start with, uh, with the news, the passing of Gail Sayers. Uh, I'll pull up the story uh, from Mike Florio, a former Bears running back. Died at the age of 77. Uh, took the league by storm as a rookie in 1965 in the Hall of Fame. Yep. He, uh, he was the back that a lot of people credit 
with changing the way we viewed a running back in the NFL. Oh, yeah. For many years, it was the bruiser. You just knock people over. You run through them. You get tackled. You get back up back when that was allowed in the NFL. Gale Sayers was an artist out there. He, he would make moves, and he was just smooth and really kind of ushered in a new type of running back in the league. No doubt. I mean, you know, like you see in a lot of, like, great players in great sports – uh, to me, he's a, a guy that was like 20 years ahead of his time, really. I mean, he really was. You even go into the 70s and you go, well, I don't really remember any running backs quite like that. You know, OJ maybe was had that similar style in the 70s as I think about the top of my head, you know. But, but really, yeah, to what you're saying, a guy who, yeah, could, you know, run in between the tackles, return kicks and go 90 yards for a touchdown – or catch the ball out of the backfield. And, like, running backs didn't catch the ball like that at that time. So, really rare. Like, one of the most fun highlight packages to ever watch. Like, if you're just YouTube Gale Sayers highlights and things like that, I mean, there's a reason he's called the Kansas Comet. And to me, yeah, he was like a, the Marshall Falk or the Roger Craig, but 20 years before them, and really set the table, I think, for those kind of guys. Yeah, he retired, and he was, at the time, 46th all-time in scrimmage yards, but was voted first ballot Hall of Famer. He was named number 22 on the NFL Top 100 Players of All Time a few years it's back. It's insane. Well-respected. His, his career was too short. I don't know if you've seen the movie Brian's song about his good friend Brian Piccolo. Right. Uh, who died of Parts of it, not the whole thing. 26. That's going to be on PBS uh, uh, tonight. But yep. it's just well-liked guy, well-loved guy, and uh, died at the age of uh, 77. So sad news uh, in the NFL. His career was cut short. Because of uh, knee injuries, knee injuries. Bad, bad knees. And, right. You know, we saw a lot of that uh, in the NFL this week. You talked about it with, with Paul. Uh, last time you were here, you're knocking over all of your bobbleheads here. It was a brutal, brutal, brutal week. week. Uh, we got this te- or a tweet from yeah. Decade Don Mahomes that said, Too bad that Fareed did not turn off injuries in time for Sunday's game. <laughs> Because I, I'm noted. Like, if I play Madden... Yeah, I'm with you. We talked about this. I do I it turn too. off the... Right. You're a psycho if you don't turn off the injuries. Well, yeah, I want to play the game. I don't want to, like... We don't need to be totally realistic here. Who wants you know? that level of realism, you know? right? Yeah, who wants that level of realism, right? And, there, and that game, Drew Brees can throw 55 yards. In real life, he can't, so yes. I don't know. <laughs> so at some point, the NFL will right. wise up yeah. and turn off injuries. Right. We'll get to that point. I don't know. Maybe they should, uh, they should do it here, but... Despite that, some good football that was played. Let's get into the first. It's not going to change, just so everybody knows. The injury thing. I've been saying this since August. I tried to get away from it. I know. But you didn't get to fucking get in shape this year. It's not going to change. Football is not the kind of sport where you can go, well, we've been running around and practicing for three weeks. We're ready. No, there's no way. And then especially after week one where you're like, okay, we were barely in shape to play week one. We definitely weren't in shape to play like a real football game. And now all those things and we're beat up from week one going into week two start to catch up to you too. So then it just kind of like snowballs out. And that's, yeah, it was unreal, man. I don't think I ever remember that many big name players go down. And a 1 o'clock window, really, for the most part. You were like, holy cow, he's hurt, he's hurt, he's hurt, wow. Well, a lot of them at MetLife, too. Yeah. I mean, who I know. knows about that turf? And yeah, we'll questionable. We'll have to monitor that moving forward. Right. Um, there were a lot of points, at least. Good thing. Uh, I don't know if there were any major injuries for Cowboys-Falcons, right? Not no, I remember no. any. So that's good. And they scored uh, a combined 70, 79 points in the game. Cowboys came back in one, 40-39. Dak Prescott, 450 yards. 
got C.D. Lamb that went off. You got Dalton Schultz in the mix here. Over, uh, he had 88 yards on nine catches. Um, so, so where do you want to start with the, with the Cowboys' offense? I mean, they, they it wasn't like they couldn't, you know, put up a bunch of points and, and a you bunch know, of Cowboys last first. year. Yeah, you want to do Cowboys? Yeah, first whatever. Year? You you run the show. Let's That's do cool. it. Let's do let's, it. Let's do Cowboys. O and what yeah. you saw from them and what what may have been different outside of the fact that they did get to play the Atlanta Falcons, which seems to be a pretty good thing if you're an offense. Well, NFL. yeah, let's start with like the first thing you said where you asked about the injuries. There was one, and it was a big one. The, the guy that caused all the havoc to get Atlanta the lead, and, uh, and I'm not going to be able to say his name right, Foyasade Oluwakun, okay. number 54, middle linebacker, and sorry to him, I will practice that. <laughs> But he got hurt somewhere after he caused his last turnover, and I don't know the exact play, but then he was out of the game. So there was one guy that was causing some havoc for the Falcons and certainly was a big reason why they had a 20 to nothing lead. All right, so, I mean, we start out right away. I mean, of course, hey, the Cowboys, they, they started out crappy. I mean, Zach, Dak Prescott, strip sack fumble. I mean, he was getting ready to try to shovel past the ball as he yeah. was getting sacked, and then an arm got hit. You know, Zeke Elliott had fumbled twice. The first time he fumbled, they were lucky that they recovered the ball. Then later on in the drive, he fumbled again, and then there was that. All right, so Schultz fumbled 11 Schultz fumbles three. three. Right yeah, I mean, really could have had five. No, no joke. I mean, I believe there was a dropped interception, like I said, the Zeke. Uh, not, it might have been the Pollard who fumbled early on, and they recovered it back. But nonetheless, listen, the Cowboy offensive line, the Cowboy offense, it's talented. There's no doubt about that. Is the offensive line as dominating as years past? No, they're not. They have replacement tackles in right there. That's a little issue, too. So, you know, strip sack, fumble, things like that. But here's the, the first thing that we just we, we got to talk about. The Falcons' defense sucks, okay? There's just no other way to say it. I, I don't know what else to tell you, but it's never good when you can't rush the passer as a front four. Okay, and then what do you do if you can't get to the quarterback as a front four? We go, oh, well, let's we'll start blitzing to get right. there. Well, when you can't play man-to-man coverage in the back end either, it's not good blitzing either. So what do you do? I don't know. They only have one guy that they can rely on to cover somebody man-to-man. Everybody else is a liability, and that's the rookie A.J. Terrell. After that, it's a mismatch, and that's where I worry about it. Listen, Atlanta never stopped the Cowboys all day long, at no point. It was never like, oh, wow, they got their number. Early on, they brought a few blitzes which I think something that Atlanta is going to have to look to dabble into as they go forward because they're just going to die a lot of slow deaths or just get torched in general if they're just not aggressive. I would almost want to say to Atlanta, like, wait, you got like $90 million on offense. You can't die slow. It's like the same conversation we've had before. You, know, yep. you can't die that slow death. You got to have Julio and Calvin Ridley on the field. You can't do it. You can't play that way. But, yeah, they're in trouble. There's not great depth on the football team well, there. Because we saw the score was 29-10 to 10 at half. Yeah. And then it wasn't too long into the second half where it was a game. It was 29-24. <laughs> it's just like that. Right. That, yeah, the first drive of the second half, they went right down and scored. They got a three and out. They went right down and scored again. And then Atlanta got the ball back, and we went from there. We'll hit Atlanta's offense in a minute. But, you know, early on, it was just Atlanta, I think, threw a few different looks at the Dallas Cowboys, caused a little chaos there, and kind of was winning the battle. But as the game went on, I mean, you don't really hear anybody from anybody in the Atlanta front seven for the rest of the game. Grady Jarrett's the only guy you really got to worry about. They got to feel for him to where he'd stop disrupting the games and everything. But they have issues all together. And, you know, too predictable and easy zone coverages and everything like that, let alone Dallas. I mean, they just got talent at offense. I, you know, I don't know what, I don't know the way to say it. 
It's a pretty good offensive scheme. They're pretty aggressive in what they want to do, throwing the football. And they were aggressive, but I'll give them credit. When they were down big early on, right. they did have a lot of run, quarterback they run, did. play action. They didn't so just abandon it. it. Wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like they got out of their game plan. Early. No, they, you're, you're exactly right. And I think they were probably worried about, hey, man, our defense had to go on the field so many times early on in the game because of the turnovers. Let's, let's worry about, like, we got to chew up some clock just to rest them and do those things. But they did. They continued to stay balanced. But to me, more of the story of anything was how bad the Falcons' defense is. Mm. I, I, don't, I, I don't know any other way to say that. I'm not going to be able to sit here and tell you, like, oh, Dallas did this when they were down 20 to nothing, and this is what changed their offense output. No, Dallas was moving the ball before that and going to. They just made mistakes. Um, but they fumbled three times early. Yes. They missed a couple fake punts that blew up on them. Exactly right. So they missed the fake punt early, too. Yeah. And Ten minutes in. That's where, okay, you know, we'll get into this. And I don't even know if I want to flip over to say that yet. Hold on. Yeah, I won't. I won't. Pump the brakes. Okay. I won't say anything. File that away. Yes. Okay. I don't know what you were going to say. We might have followed no, away from No, but it's all right. I don't, have, I don't know if there's anything more groundbreaking for me to say about okay. Dallas. I, I really don't. Lamb, Cooper, Gallup are going to give teams issues. Okay, Their offense is good enough that when a team like Atlanta, who's just going to play basic Tampa 2 and basic zone coverages, and then you don't have a pass rush, you know, a good offense is going to pick that apart all day long. And that's what they did. They called the right plays into the right zone coverages and things like that. And then Prescott made some big throws down the field without ever really forcing it either. Even though they were down, you know, there was always people open to where he never was forced into like, man, it's been three or four plays. We can't get anything going. I might have to jam one into tight coverage. Yeah. No. So it allowed them to stay patient with the run to what you're saying. It also allowed them to like – all right, hey, I'll throw the ball six yards underneath to, to C.D. Lamb, and now he'll run for 30. And uh, they just exposed them. They were more, they're just so much more talented than the Atlanta defense. The Atlanta defense yeah. is, I mean, come on. You, you break, if I can come out of retirement right now, it's, I want to play Atlanta. You can't rush the passer and you can't cover. Yeah. I mean, you see what Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott did to them, and there, there's, there's, you know. It, that wasn't by luck. It could be a long year for them. I want to I give so. credit to Greg Zerline as well. The onside, the slow motion onside. It's amazing. Kick. I feel like kickers are like the. I was thinking about this. They're like the mom of the NFL. Uh, they're, they're, it's like we take them for granted. I wish we would stop doing that, right? I know because they're so crucial. Yes, right? they you are. Only notice them. It's like mom. You only. It's not. You don't notice them when mom picks you up from practice, cooks you that meal. You notice when she misses you from like doesn't pick you up right, from practice. Right. Right. She didn't make your lunch you for school. Didn't, You're like, what the fuck, do. mom? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Right. You've been awesome for nine hundred ninety-nine thousand. Yes. Take things. that for granted. Why did you mess up that one thing? <laughs> yeah. They're the, they're the moms of the NFL. They are. We've got to change that because. Uh, I mean, they put Mike McCarthy, and I hate when coaches do this. It was like they got into field goal range and settled for a 46-yarder to win the game at the end there. I don't like – I hate that. Yeah, it's, it's like, risky. At I know. that point, you've done all this to come back in the game, and now we're just going to kneel on it and run Zeke up the middle, and it's like we don't want to make it a 30-yard field goal. Yeah, we're I hear really you. just going to settle for a 46-yard uh-huh. field goal. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I, I bailed him out. It's but. scary. Uh, Zerline, and to your point, is a weapon. He really is. Yeah. You know, and he's been a weapon for the Rams for the last few years. I mean, the Rams are like Kansas City Chiefs with Butker, like what's-his-face in Baltimore. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Tucker. Tucker, right, yeah. Justin Tucker. Damn, I couldn't remember his name. 
The Longhorn kids. Those mobs at the end. We don't even remember. But them. but they are they're the weapon. Like you can cross midfield and go. We're almost in field goal range. Yeah. And that to me is like you know a great safety net to have as an offense and a great thing to have, especially at the end of the game. Zerline, we shouldn't be surprised that him and John Fossil came up with the new onside kick. They've been inventing shit on special teams for the last five years. John Fossil, without a doubt, is the most creative special teams coach in football. It's not even close. So uh, that was cool to see. So but, real quick, you want to flip it over? Yeah, but nonetheless, can't rush the passer. No. Nobody can play to man-to-man. Number 26, Isaiah Oliver, when they do play man-to-man, everybody goes after him because he can't run. Dante Fowler, not all that impressive. There's means on the other edge. They can't get edge press, uh, pass rush pressure. Takaris McKinley not doing anything. So when you look at the front seven, you go, okay, Grady Jarrett, all right, you stop him, you're going to stop Atlanta. And then you got Deion Jones. Cam O'Neill's not himself yet. He's not back from uh, to 100%. So really average, really concerning. And it, it's, like I said, I think they got to readjust how they're playing. Yeah. I don't think they can think like they need to just open it up and go shootout time. They just need to outscore their opponent. That's all there is to it. That's all they did. That's right. They almost did. And let's flip over to the other side of the ball. And the first thing I would say there, right off the bat, was they should have scored more. Mm. You had five five short fields. Five of them. You came away with two touchdowns and three field goals. You have that offense, and you had to settle for That game should have been 24-0, 28-0, not 20-0. I mean, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones are 50 million, 50-something million just between those two. Julio's not right. He was all beat up. No, he's not right. He's, don't, he's definitely not right. I agree with you there. It's, it's not there. But, okay, here we go. First thing, real quick. Cowboy uh, – oops, I'm on the wrong one. Okay. I'm on the other, other side like of the ball. You filled up your notebook. Like, I did. You've really filled up. Like, well, you've almost gone through yeah. half of it already. Yeah, I know. Or, I'm getting there. Okay. But here we go. So, first thing off, just right off the bat, Cowboys defense, it's not that impressive looking either. All right. They have a little bit of the same issues Atlanta does, just to a lesser extent. Can they rush the passer? I question that through two weeks right now. And can they play man-to-man? I don't know if they can either. I- I'm-, I'm dead serious. Other than Shadobi Awuze, I'm not sure they can do it consistently either. There's too many guys that get beat like that. But, you know, no pre- – so there's that. Now, the-, the-, the biggest thing to me in this, and more than anything, is the Falcons' run game is just so basic. They have no run game to rely on to run a clock out or do anything like that. Let alone Todd Gurley. Hey, he's just a just a middle of the road back. I mean, very middle of the road. They tried. They gave it to him 21 times. I know. He gained 61 yards. No, I know. The longest was eight. And and I think the the biggest thing to me is a lack of creativity in the run game. It's very much the same type of run over and over. It's inside and outside zone. There's nothing added to it to make a defense think or pause for a second or, oh, wait, here's pulling guards here. This is different, whatever that is. So that bothers me. And, of course, that's going to make it hard to close out games. When you can't run a football, run the football, mm-hmm. then, yeah, you're going to have issues. And with Gurley himself, you know, one, physically is he not right? Yeah, he's not the same explosive Todd Gurley. Two, there's, a, there's, a ga- a hair, there's hesitation in his game. There's hesitation. And I think it is because of the knee. I think he's trying to save himself. Are there a few plays where I looked at it and I said, man, Old Todd Gurley would have just stepped on the metal, pedal to the metal, and he would have flown through there and just said, okay, if I get crushed, I get crushed, but I might come out the other side for a 70-yard touchdown. Yeah. Now it's kind of like, ooh, 
I'm going to get crushed, and I'm just going to kind of pitter-patter through there instead of just going with, like, reckless abandon. So that, that, that bothers me. It's something to look for. But leaving the points on the board and only getting 20, that was big. Those were big holds by the Cowboys. The Cowboys' defense in general, all right, here's, here's the things. You know, I told you the things I, I, I don't like. The things I do like is they're very multiple, all right, Nolan's running a lot of different defenses, simple different defenses, though. Just Tampa 2, cover 2, cover 3, man-to-man. But not letting an offensive play caller ever just go, oh, they're doing this, they're doing this, they're doing this. I got plays to kill this, kill that. He he keeps you on edge that way. So they're sound. They don't blow assignments. um, But at the same point, there's going to come a time where they got to get pressure on a quarterback, and I think they're going to have to blitz, and it could be scary for them that way. All right, so that's the biggest thing. Now, the other thing after that, the Atlanta offense, did they have chances to close this game out? Of course they did. The wildcat throw, the gauge that Julio Jones drops, that was a huge play. I question there, Mike Nolan, who was in Atlanta at one point, and I believe Raheem Morris was there with him when they were there together. They had a little crossover. I wonder if if Raheem Morris told the Atlanta offensive coaches what Mike Nolan's adjustment would be to wildcat. Because to have that play called right there and the adjustment they got and the look, I mean, it was just so perfect. And those are just things that popped through my head. But I think that's the biggest thing. If they catch that ball, that game's probably over. Yeah. And that, of course, let the Cowboys hang around. And you couldn't, they couldn't stop the Cowboys' offense. That's so all there is. It sounds like you think both of these teams will be in games like this multiple times this year. You think Atlanta's going to be in shootouts? You think the yeah. Cowboys could be in shootouts? I do. I think so. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a little, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm way less concerned about the Cowboys, but I don't think this is a defense that we've seen the last few years in the Cowboys where, not necessarily last year, but the year before that when they were a playoff team where they can dominate. Yeah. I don't know who that is. It's different defensive tackles. You know, the pass rush is not the same. DeMarcus Lawrence is not the same. You know, Vander Esch is not out there, yeah. right? The safeties are different. They lost Byron Jones. So uh, it's certainly a much less impressive physical group. Uh, yeah, see if there's anything else here. Da-da-da-da-da. Teams are attacking 27 digs. Um, so real quick here, uh, yeah. you put this in here, and this is a good idea. The totem pole of shame as we wrap this game up. Order of people who are to blame for Atlanta's collapse here. You got the defense. You got the hands team. You got Julio with that drop TD pass, and you got Dan Quinn, who went for two early on, didn't get it, which proved to be an important point. Yeah. In uh, another collapse here. What's the totem pole of shame for the Falcons? Well, I think you go defense and then Dan Quinn. Right at the I mean, top. Right at the top. Pole. Yeah, because yeah. defense and Dan Quinn are almost related, anyways. And yeah. then, you know, Is you it talk Dan about Quinn's this. Dan Quinn's head at the top of the totem pole. Well, yeah, you're right. The head, the head up there. You're, you are right. And then you talk about the special teams and things like that. That goes back to Dan Quinn, too. Okay. So, so Dan Quinn at the top Dan, of the totem Dan pole. Dan Quinn at the top of the po- totem Shuffled pole, followed by that defense. Yep. Followed by. Hands team, they come up with it, game over. Yeah, I almost want to go Julio first because I don't know if you have to worry about the hands team if Julio catches that ball, right? So, uh, yeah. Julio. Julio, then the bottom. bottom, The hands team. Yeah, just hands in the bottom. All of it's bad, though. I'll just say, all of it. I mean, yes, I'm so sick of the, you know, the going for two thing. I I talked about it on Monday, and I can't take it anymore. They may make an appearance in my Trevor Top Pick Power Rankings, the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> I'm just saying that. A little okay. right there. All right. Let's move on to our other game here. We've got Rams and Eagles. Uh, Rams feeling pretty good about how they've started the season so far. You want to start out Rams O, 
Eagles D? I think so. Okay, so let's do that. We'll go positive first because I know you're going to crush the Eagles offense. Um, but the Rams look pretty good. Jared Goff again, 20 of 27, 267 yards, three touchdowns. His passer rating, Chris, and I know you buy into passer rating 100%, 142.1. That was his passer rating. Yeah, it's impressive. Highest in a game since 2014 for him. Uh, I don't, you know, I I like passer rating. I do. Oh, I just do? don't think okay. it always tells the whole story. Sure. You know, like his passer rating, yeah. It's probably way higher than Kyler Murray's through two weeks. He ain't playing as good as Kyler Murray. I can so just tell you that. Here's what Jared Goff needs to do. Yeah. He needs to leave Sean McVay. He needs to go hook up with Gary Kubiak. <laughs> he needs to dominate. And then finally, then, will he get the Chris Sims seal of approval? Maybe. He's playing very good. Okay? There, there's no doubt about that. Okay? I, and I don't want to take that away from him. I really don't. I, I know I give McVay a lot of credit. And it, it's tough. But it, honestly, watching the tape... It, he does make it easy. I mean, like, not easy. Like, it's got to still be executed. Yeah, right. But they're rolling them out. They're play action. Yeah. So many deceptions. The throws he's so making, deception. a lot of them, you just go, that's not a high-level half to throw. There's high-level execution getting, like you're saying, getting everybody ready. Hey, pace of the offense. McVay's telling me to check to this, check to that. Hey, guys, we got three plays called. I got to get ready. Right? All that stuff is great. I mean, it's, he's phenomenal in how calmly he always handles that. Yeah, all I'm saying is, of course, McVay's a genius. And – you know, here's, here's the first two things. First off, the Rams O-line two weeks in a row, it's better than we thought it was going to be. Mm. So it's allowing them to run the football and dominate the line of scrimmage. I mean, that Eagles D-line, that's disappointing. I think that's where you start right off the bat. I mean, Malik Jackson, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave in free agency, Brandon Graham, I, you know, Sweat on the edge, uh, the other first-rounder from Tennessee from a few years ago. The, the, the Rams ran for 191 yards. And this isn't like a quarterback who scrambled to add an extra 60 yards to the like rushing total. Right. These were real runs. It was Henderson. It was Brown. It was designed runs by Woods and Cup and Akers. Mm-hmm. I mean, so from that just alone, they gashed him. The first thing is this. McVay literally beat Jim Schwartz into submission. Submission. The Eagles are trying to do all these different things on defense. And they were getting fucked up right and left, okay? Yeah, just haymaker, haymaker, haymaker. Their heads were spinning to where Jim Schwartz literally had to go, forget it, I'm going to play man-to-man every play, and so we're not going every which direction, and our heads are all over the place. You just got him, you got him. And they went. Like, and he did that almost the rest of the game, completely through, because he was like, they've exposed me. And I didn't coach good enough this week. So I'm just going to call a defense where it's mano y mano. And that's really what happened. Okay? But let me just wax poetically about, about McVay oh, and everything about it. The pot. All right. Here's two things. We talked last week about a little more 12 personnel from the Rams. Yep. Saw a little bit. I don't think we saw a ton of it this week. But the variety of runs McVay has in his run offense, that has gone up from years past. There is more things going on, more of the whatever, Kyle Shanahan effect. It's no longer just speed sweep inside, outside zone. Mm-hmm. There's now, like you heard me say the last game, pulling guards, trap plays, toss cracks. So from just the run game itself, he's giving defenses more to look. And then, you know, McVay, he's smart as shit. Okay, I got the run. I got the play action and boot off of it, too. So... That just little added element of expanding his run game has expanded his pass game. And the other thing that I find brilliant 
through two weeks. That's also a new thing with McVay. When he ran play-action pass, they used to just like, they'd run the play-action pass with the running back and the quarterback, but the linemen were kind of still doing pass protection, right? Yeah. Right? And they're really good defenses, key offensive linemen and things like that. Gives it away. It gives it away, right? You know, so they're coached that way. They're doing more like New England and Shanahan play action pass, where now it's he's going back and the guard's pulling just like he would on that run play. So it really looks like the run play. And McVay and the offensive line and everybody, they must have gone back to the lab and the, 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 you know, the, with, the, with the pen and the pad in the lab, like Dr. Dre, yeah. and said, wait, wait, we got to figure out how to pass protect on these play action passes that look like our runs. We can't have like a play action pass that we're pass protecting and yet doing a run action. And to me, that's been deadly through the first two weeks and was deadly to the Eagles uh, during that game. Well, so we did see Sean McVay with the mask on. Remember the shield in Hard Knocks? Right. Maybe he had just gotten out of the lab. He had been cooking up a running <laughs> Just got out of the lab with the pen and the pad, right just trying to get his whole label off. It's funny you bring up uh, New England there, too, because there was a point in the third quarter where uh, the Rams, they went for, remember, they went for fourth and one yeah. with their own 30. I like that. I right. love that aggressiveness right there. He yeah. just had, he had trust in that offensive line, right. trust in the new running game like right. you just mentioned. What they do, quarterback, was that the quarterback sneak? Quarterback right? sneak, yeah, yeah. right. At right. their own 30, though. Yeah. I mean, not Good. many teams would do that. You have to have a ton of trust in your offensive line. No doubt. That you can pull that off. Uh, but that same drive, and then later in the quarter, I was watching Goff, and after seeing him do all these bootlegs and rolls and play actions and stuff like that, there were a couple where he would just play action, drop back in the pocket, and they'd hit a cross to Woods, Cooper Cup, over the middle. I was like, man, that kind of looks like Tom Brady. In a, in a weird way, it was, like, it was like he's hitting these crossing routes with receivers that are very New England, too. Like yeah, Woods right, just Cooper like right, not superstars, but you're like, but they're just like, they're was, really good. He yeah. was standing up tall in the pocket, delivering yeah. it on time, uh-huh. these crossing routes. I was like, man, he's, that, he showed a couple of things there. I, he definitely did. I do think... The ball's coming out of his the ball's coming out of his hand as clean as I've ever seen it through two weeks. And when I say that, I just mean, you know me. I sit there and slow plays down and go, like, is that a spiral? Yeah. Or is that just like, you know, hey, it was accurate, but it was an ugly ball. Hey, there is something to that. When the ball's coming out of a guy's hand clean and all the time, all the time, it usually means hey, everything's right mechanically, he's seeing the field good, everything's comfortable, he's throwing it decisive being decisive. Golf is you know, yeah, some silver platter throws. Hey, he's wide open. Here you go. But like you said, I mean, you know, there was a, a post corner early in the game. He throws down the left sideline for a deep throw, high-level throw. A few of the other play-action passes, the crossing routes, like deeper crossing routes and things like that, high-level throws. So I don't want to take away from Jared Goff. I know it's been very good. I, I just try to be real and tell you I that – the game is made easy for him at times, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong well, with that. Well, it has, and I don't know if you're ready to flip the page. No, over. not yet. Okay. One All second. Right. I no. just want to make sure I didn't – I did write just to wax poetically more about him, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm going to file something away. File I'm, it. I'm going to file Okay, something. file it away. More comfortable throwing in the tight windows. Um, I, I wrote in the past would have moved on something easier but he's he's hanging on going wait wait this is about to come open let me sit here for one more hitch and then i'll throw a strike in there Could those are things trust in the offensive line i think that's more? part yeah. of it no doubt about it no doubt and i'm sure mcveigh also this year was a little like hey man you know don't be so quick like the letter of the law of the offense you know, you got enough feel now to know when that guy's about to come open 
And just because your feet are saying, hey, you should go to the next guy, you know, trust your eyes a little bit. And if you get crushed by Fletcher, Fletcher Cox, that's fine. You can, you can survive that. If you throw you a strike, you will. You'll survive <laughs> it. You'll be, you'll be good. Um, okay. And then let me just say anything else. You know, Eagles' second level of their defense, just to talk about them, their linebackers, this is an issue. It's going to be an issue. There's nothing impressive there. They were horrible in the game. They, they were that, all they over the place. They had a linebacker place. trying to cover Higby on that On the long touchdown. one up down the sidelines. Yeah. That one, right. I mean, that was Jerry. Right, he number forty-seven. He's supposed to be there. Him, Duke Riley, the guys in the middle. They have no uh, presence in the game at all. They just run around, and so that's an issue for them because it's unfortunate the Eagles, for the first time in a long time, actually have some cover corners and some people that can play man to man. Pass rushes a little. I've been uh, I've been um, underwhelmed by the, the the Eagles up front the first two games. Can't lie. You know I love me some Fletcher Cox. Mm-hmm. He has not popped the way I would like. Uh, Malik Jackson has not popped the way I would like. Javon Hargrave, I mean, he, I don't even feel like he played a lot in the game the other day. And then let me just see if there's anything else, and we'll move on because I know you want to move on. Oh, and the I don't want to move on if you have something else here. Uh, I think that's it. Let's see. Uh, nope. All right, I filed something away. I'm going to access it right now. And you can come back. You, there's no rule that says you can't make a note about the Rams offense no, after you come back. No, it's good. So. It's good. We're good. I think um, we hit it all. We hit so it all. This is what, and I wrote this down when I was watching the game. Yeah. I go, you know, Goff, they're rolling them out, play action, receivers are open. McFay's making it easy for him. It looked completely the opposite for Carson Wentz. It was like, hey, Carson Wentz, drop back. Try to make something happen here. Try, try to fit it into a tight window there. It just seemed like for, for Carson, what he was asked to do was at a, such a higher level, such a different level than what they were asking Jared Goff to do. It was, it was striking when yeah. I was watching the game. Yeah, well, I think the thing is you just you realize how covered everybody Carson Wentz has to throw the ball to, right? I mean, that's to me just at a base fan level. And this is – I had to go on the radio with somebody yesterday who was like, you know, Carson Wentz, they gave me a stat, was saying, like, he's got the most – off-target, clean pocket throws in the game. Okay, well, again, numbers and analytics are great, but there's more to that story. I mean, yeah, the pocket's clean. How open are the receivers? And I think that's the thing, too. So, you know, if you're always throwing to tight receivers, you're always putting it, I got to put it here so my guy can get it only. And that's going to lead to off-target throws where, yeah, it's off-target throw, but, you know, I bet you I go back to some of those throws and go, if he throws it on target, it's going to be an interception. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where we all have to, like, keep that into, you know, our mind. But their offense, man, it's tough. I think that's what you're saying. It's just work. Everything is work. It's nothing easy. There's no game plan wide open receivers. It's always jam it into this guy for five yards, jam it into that guy for eight yards. And then they can't run the ball effectively either to nothing really scare you that way. And I just think it compounds itself. I mean, you know, you look at their drives. Nine plays, 50 yards for a field goal. 11 plays, 75 yards for a touchdown. Okay, they got the short field touchdown off the the punt fumble. So that was a two-play, 11-yard drive. But then their next score, a 13-play, 60-yard drive for another field goal. I mean, that just says it all. We got to go 13 plays to get 60 yards? You know, the good teams and good offenses right now are going like, 40 yards at a clip on every drive on one play or another. you just you got to be able to do that. And there's nothing of that in their offense. You know, their meat and potatoes plays are good. The offense is good. It's about 
What else is there? Is there a new game plan play or something else that can get the offense off and take the pressure off a little bit? Yeah. And that's where I really look at the Eagles and think, you know, they're, they're messed up that way. I mean, the beginning of the second half, they had a drive, and it did look a little easier for them. I don't know if they made adjustments or what they did at that point. And so Wentz started out on fire in the third quarter. Right. And then it ends with him trying to thread the needle with the fastball into double coverage. And that was stupid. And they got right. picked. Right. Yeah. That was a big moment of the game because they're being outplayed and that you're going, wait, it's 21-16, and they got a chance to take the lead right here. It was amazing. But there was, as much as I don't want to blame Wentz for – the storyline that's out there, like, oh, Wentz is the problem. This is where you do blame Wentz, though. This is for the second week in a row. At the wrong part of the game, he decided to be ultra-aggressive. And, you know, that's really an issue for him. You know, I, I, he threw two interceptions in the game. The second one, the game was out of hand, and he's trying to force the issue and try to bring them back. He's not the kind of guy that's just going to be checked down Charlie and go, oh, look, I improved my stats, but we still lost by 20. He's going down swinging, but... Yeah, that was a huge moment. He was very late to recognize the coverage, and then he was very late to throw the football. That ball should have been completed a good second and a half before it actually got there. I mean, he was very late to that, and that allowed the corner to undercut it and the safety make it a bam-bam play and almost got the receiver killed. But the Eagles, like I talked about with the meat and potato plays, right? they got a lot of the good, solid things for everything, all of that. But... You know, I wrote, can they get some trunk plays? Question mark, question mark, question mark. And then I wrote, how many times can you run inside and outside zone? I mean, they only have two run plays. It, I, I don't know. So that bothers the hell out of me, too. And then, of course, I wrote, Wentz jamming it in there. Nothing easy. You know, Rams defense, it's good. It's not great. If I was going to break down them just real quick, you know, the Rams have playmakers. The Rams, though, their defensive style is similar to like what I just said about a, like Mike Nolan, except they're more talented. They're not like blowing my brain away where I'm just like, whoa, that's cool. What's that defense? But it's never the same look, right? So it's, again, it's simple looks, but it's never the same. They're very good at disguising. Oh, it's cover two. Oh, wait, they went to cover three. Oh, they might blitz. Oh, they went to Tampa two. Oh, they might blitz. Oh, no, it's just man-to-man. Nobody blitz. They're very good at it. They're very sound. They mess nothing up. They don't. And it allows them to play fast, and that's where they've been really effective so far. Um, All right, so for the Eagles side, it sounds like they need playmakers, figure out a way to get Deshaun Jackson open down the field. They got a guy they drafted, they obviously think highly of. Yeah. I mean, Jalen Hurts. Is there anything you think they can do with him? to make life easier for Doug Peterson, to make life easier for Carson Wentz. Sure. I, I mean, I'm all for trick plays. Do something. You got, but they have to figure out how to get explosive plays involved in their offense. They do. I know, you know, like week one we saw it, right? But those were like two little game plan plays that were like, you know, in the lab, in the lab with the pen and the pad again, yeah. getting ready to unveil that because oh, I know who we're playing week one, so I got these three or four plays that are going to screw you over. But there's just not enough of that in the offense. And, really special. We need to bring well, it back. whatever it is, and, and, ten and, more. And again, if you want to do like a you know quarterback throwback, whatever, they yeah. just got to find a. They don't need a lot. They just need a few plays every game. Like I said, to where we don't have to read the stat sheet and go. 
13 plays, 60 yards? It took you 13 plays to go mm-hmm. 60 yards? I mean, the 49ers went 80 yards on the first play of the game. I mean, one play. <laughs> you know, the really good offenses in football, yeah. this is something to watch for, really. When you look at this stat sheet of the game, they're really good offensive football. How many times, look at how many times they'll have five plays, 75 yards, three plays, 80 yards, right? They'll have a few of those sprinkled in every game. And that's usually why a lot of those, you know, teams win football games. Carson Wentz snapped the streak of 20 straight games with a touchdown, which was the longest active streak in the NFL, throwing to his tight ends a bunch because, yeah, there's just not a, a lot of other options out there. No. 30 targets to tight ends this season, nine more than any other quarterback. So it's just those short, tight end, Ertz, Goddard. Yeah, Deshaun Jackson, they've been unable to infuse him into the offense, yeah. and he's not as fast as he used to be. Rager, they're doing their best. But read that stat again. Let me, let me hear that one more time. Go ahead. La- say it all. Say it all again. One more time. All of it. All of it. Yeah, all of that part. To reemphasize yes. the fact here. Yeah, because I want to uh, hear it. He had it. a touchdown pass, 20 straight games. Gotcha. Yeah, right. Uh, 30 targets to tight ends this season. Yeah. That's nine more than any other quarterback. So yeah. no other quarterback is throwing to his tight ends more. They got two good ones. They do. They can be part of a right. productive offense. Yes. So. But, but, yeah, they got to start using them as decoys to create some other big plays or whatever that is. But that even speaks to what you started off with, just how hard to throw. It's always yeah. Goddard over the middle. He caught it for seven yeah. yards and lost his head. Yeah. Way to go. Third and two now. I know. Like, oh, i got to convert another right. third down. Right. And, hey, we can't forget Miles Sanders, you know, fumbling to start the game, getting the, yeah. the you know, the, the Rams off the right that right way. I mean, all that, the Eagles were within five I know. minutes left. I'm not giving up hope. in this game. I'm not giving up hope to what you're saying. You're right about that. You're right. They were very close. They could have easily won week one. Week two, the score is misleading. The game, yeah, they're, they're, it was 24 to 19 in the fourth quarter. Yep. I mean, so it, it was there to be had. It just, they got to refine some things. Uh, and like I said, I wish they would find a few more run game things and a few more ways to throw the ball down the field. And on the tight end thing, too, yep. like if I'm them, there's no way I'm paying Zach Ertz. There's no way. Not, not George Kittle or Travis Kelsey money. There's no way. The best, the best tight end on the team. Exactly right. The best tight end on the team right now is number 88. He has mm-hmm. taken over the mantle. So you don't pay your second best tight end on your team the third highest contract in all of football. That would be bad business. Yeah, bad allocation yeah. of resources, right. as they say. Right. All right, so that is a Rams-Eagles. We did see some high-flying offense from your guy. Oh, Oh, Aaron Rodgers. Wow, good harmony right there, It was good harmony, yes. Uh, Okay, so he crushed the Lions. So Huge caveat there. It was against Detroit. Huge caveat. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to talk that much about the Lions, but they look not very good at all. Uh, But Rodgers looks good. He looks rejuvenated. You said he was like 2014. Aaron Rodgers, vintage A-Rod. Yeah. Um, so you wanted to watch this game just because you wanted to, like, you needed a break from life's realities and go back and be like, wow, Aaron Rodgers is doing it. He is crushing it right now. <laughs> I, always, I always preference the better teams in football to where I want to watch them because I want to see what they're doing. Those are usually, you know, we usually can continue to highlight and talk about the better teams yeah. more and more on a pod or the TV show or whatever it is. And no. You jerk. 
They told me to watch this, oh. okay? They said, why don't you check out – because we wanted to go through some of the quarterback play. Again, second sure. week in a row, we had some very impressive quarterback play. Now, the big thing with this – and, again, I know we hit some of this last week with the Green Bay Packers. You know, the first thing is, just like I said with McVay, their run game for the second week in a row – has popped out to me with Green Bay, not just because Aaron Jones is 18 carries, 168 yards and all that, but I'm seeing more in the run game. Mm. And I know that's not as sexy for everybody. I wish we could show highlights and I go, look, look at this run play. They didn't run this play last year. You know, so we're seeing more creativity there, which again goes back to the go ahead. What that's interesting yeah. too, though, because both of those teams drafted a running back rather high, which kind of indicates to you they were thinking about the running game, right? And they were thinking about how they could help their high-paid quarterbacks. Rams, I'm talking about Rams, yeah, Cam Akers, sure, I'm right. About Packers here with right. AJ Dillon. So yeah, it's kind of maybe that was a tell that both these coaches are trying to think of ways to infuse the running game. No doubt, and play action pass is such a big part of both of these games. These these two coaches and what they want to do because they're from Shanahan. So that's what Shanahan does. So that's where I really look at it too. And I think McVeigh and Lafleur evaluated their run offense last year. And then they went back, and then they went. What looked probably to me, it looks like they looked at San Francisco's run offense and said, "Wait, Kyle has passed us up with run game creativity. He's added more to the plate than when we were there with him, you know, a few years ago." And I think they've expanded their playbooks, Lafleur especially, on that side of the ball. And then, you know, just like the Rams, but except this is to a greater extent. It just unveil, you know you know, unleash the Kraken of play-action passes and things you can do with Rodgers. So that's the biggest thing. So the more versatility, more moving parts in the offense, you see more pre-snap movement and things like that, a few different formations. But Rodgers, so comfortable, no second-guessing, no Aaron Rodgers pumping the ball, right? And you know what I mean by that, right? Here we go. Here's Aaron Rodgers. He's hopping around, and it's, oh, pump there. Oh, no, wait, he's not open. Oh, that's, I, I haven't seen it other than like two or three plays the whole year so far because he's going, wait, we're all on the same page. I know what I'm doing. This coach is getting people open, and I'm just going to trust him and go where he t- tells me to go with the football, and he's throwing strikes. And I think that's the big thing. Even when you watch them, did you watch that game at all? I watched the highlights. Back, you did? Yeah. yeah, like there's no surly Aaron Rodgers through two weeks so far. There's yeah. no like, right. you know, the, the language of or looking over at the sidelines like, what the fuck route was that, that yeah. guy there? And like, Would you coach him up? Or like, you know, what the fuck play was that? Like there's none of that. And I hear him for the second week in a row talk about communication. They're all on the same page. Sure. So. They must have ironed out a lot of details. This is the perfect start for them. For a year when you don't have a preseason, if you're Aaron Rodgers to get to go against the first week, the Minnesota Vikings with a secondary very inexperienced that's maybe in shambles, and then the second week, Detroit Lions. Not to say that they haven't been great and they've yeah. made some significant changes, right. but that is like a tailor-made first two weeks to get your offense going. No doubt. The season. No doubt about it. You're right. It is. It's, it's not like overly talented defenses, especially in Minnesota. Yeah, Detroit doesn't blow you out of the water either. Uh, you're right. Now, Patricia will do some different stuff and things like that, but – you know, it, it, it's it, you know to more on the Rodgers and everything they're doing. Listen, Green Bay is probably the biggest pleasant surprise I've seen in football to this point. Okay. They're a team that, I, yeah, I picked them to win the division, but I didn't think they were going to be that good. They look yeah. better than last year. I mean, through two weeks compared to last year to this year, I go, no, this is a significantly better football team. And they, they've been a surprise to me that way. But here's another thing. Like, 
you know, we talk about his comfortability. The offense has an answer for everything. I think that's what jumps out to me, too. You know, first off, his ability to read and recognize a defense and make the proper throws as quick as anybody we've ever seen in the sport. It's up there with the Mannings, the Bradys, whoever it is. Like, oh, wait, here's the read. I see the coverage. Show him, and he's throwing it as he's already as he's processing that information on the money. That's where those guys are special. But then when I say answers for everything, they run the perfect fucking play on every defense. You know, there's an answer code in football. Mm. You know, hey, we like this plays against cover three. We like these plays against cover two. When you play man-to-man, here's our bag of trips. They're always in the right play, always. Doesn't matter what the coverage, you go, oh, that's the perfect play for that coverage. And that tells me they're on to something. They're on to something with the way they're packaging the plays in the huddle I mean, their first, and all of that. Their first touchdown, the Lions dropped seven into coverage. Looked like they were mostly in man-to-man. And Aaron Jones, the linebacker that was on him, just got picked. And he was wide open, walked into the end zone. Wide open, yeah. right. That was just, that's great. Game planning. Yep. I don't know. That, that was game planning itself. Realizing, wait, the Lions have an issue and they get down here and we're going to cross them up. They went to that play a few other times during the game, too. And the same thing happened. Yeah. Which, by the way, Aaron Jones, I, I don't know if by the end of this year we're going to be talking about yeah. him as being a top five running yeah, back. Because right. he had... Not only did he have 168 yards in this game and broke the long one, of course, to start the second half, but the, what he can do as a pass catcher on the wheel routes, and not just wheel routes five yards down the field, like 30 yards down no, the field. No, I know. And make catches. I, I wonder if we've been – I know you haven't been, but if we've been sleeping on Aaron Jones. Well, I might even – me too. Me too. I wanted to see another year. I mean, I knew last year was really damn good, but I just – yeah, I wanted to see more. And so far, yeah, he's blowing the doors off. I mean, he's yeah. – yeah. I mean, catches an aggressive touchdown pass down the field, right? Has the long touchdown run. They have a, like a second down, and he's out all the way wide at wide receiver, and he's matched up a linebacker. Rodgers throws him like a fade route, just goes like one-on-one 50 ball, and he goes up and catches it. So, like, man, you're right. He's special. And where last year I would have said, yeah, he's definitely in the top ten, but somewhere between seven and ten. Yeah, now, like, just early thought there is he is flirting with the top five for sure. All right, and last thing, I, don't want, I know I'm waxing poetically about my guy here, okay? You would. But, you know, just some of the throws and the decisions tell you he's got great confidence in the offense and everything. But here, the big thing is to me, 18 for 30, right? 12 incompletions. Oh, mm. They're not going to be good then. Mm-mm. He's not throwing for 70%. Right. Yeah, I mean, the, only it's the bad. good ones. No, fuck that. They're better. I love the 12 incompletions. First off, he had three drops that were just gashes. Going to be like an extra 80, 90 yards on a stat sheet. But the point is, there's incompletions because he's being aggressive. The play calls are aggressive. And he's not worried about his completion percentage or anything like that. And it's made their offense so much more dangerous. Look how dangerous they are through two weeks. I mean, they left plays on the field in Minnesota. They left plays on the field in Detroit. And they still go over 30 points. You know, so that's that's where they're scary right now, and I am uh, really loving what I'm seeing from Green Bay at this point. I would ask you about the Detroit Lions, but I don't want to hear it, honestly. Yeah, I, I, and don't, I really don't even want to hear it. I'm sorry, yes. Yeah. Give me one thing if you want. Um, Jeff Okuda looks solid. Okay, there okay. we go. There you that, go. Stop. I like Jared Davis, too. Okay. You know, Jamie Collins pops on film. Right, we're pushing our luck here. Yeah. Okay, that's pass rush. The, no. Uh, they uh, Rodgers has been blitzed. Pete put this in here yeah. per PFF right. on 17% of his dropbacks, lowest in the NFL. Yeah. Well, Rush him a little bit. Yeah. Well, the problem with him, like it goes to the read and recognition thing. If you blitz him too much, 
he starts to go, oh, wait, I saw that already. Hey, Devontae, and, you know, gives this signal, and it's just like, it's like, hey, we're about to fuck you guys. You're screwed, yeah. and we're going to get a completion here. So people get scared. It's like, it's like Brady. It's the same thing when he was in New England. They were always just like, they got answers. So I don't know if I really want to blitz it. Whatever um, they're doing so far, it's working. I'm saying a lot of F words today. I feel like you're ramping them up as good, the pod's good. going on here. Right. Um, Kristen, <laughs> Kristen just says, said, you sure, you sure are. are. She has to note them all. They bleep <laughs> them out on YouTube. Sometimes not everyone gets you know, caught. You, know, you can slip them in there every once in a good, while. Good, good. I like that. It almost seems like it's flowing with your other words. Right. Um, let's move on to another one of your It's my boy favorite. Blue, my boy Blue, my boy Blue. Josh Allen and the Bills beat the Dolphins 31-28. Josh Allen credited with a career-high 471 yards. Is that uh, combines his passing and running in the game? Is that what? Uh, yeah, 417 passing. 417 passing. What do you have running? 18. So it's 417 yeah. passing. Four touchdowns a week after throwing uh, for 300 yards for the first time in his career. Uh, he, he is a different. You've always liked him. Yeah. But he's, he's proving you right this year. He is. He's proving me right. You're right. I mean, he's, he's you know, taking that next step or the next <laughs> level, as we all say, or whatever that is in the development. But it, it, it is true. It, it is true. There's no, there's no doubt about that. Um, there was, I mean, how about that stat? Did you hear this stat about there's only been three other quarterbacks in the history of the sport to start off a year in the first two weeks to throw for over 700 yards and at least six touchdowns and no interceptions. And it's oh. Brady, Manning, Mahomes, and Josh Allen. Ooh. The only two, four people in the history of football to do that through two weeks. Okay? I'd say who would ever think he'd be in a group like that? Chris but Sims. me, but Chris me Sims would. Me that. thought he could flirt with that. All right, so we'll see where it goes. All right, I mean, the first thing is this. Yeah, so what are they doing? Are they making life easier for him? Has he really started to refine some of the parts of his game? The talent, he has refined it. The talent's real. I mean, on their whole offense. I, like, like he was quoted as early this weekend, there's not going to be many secondaries in football that can match up with this group. When you go Diggs, Beasley, Brown, Isaiah McKenzie, who can fly. I mean, he can't even get on the field now because, you know, they're so talented. Dawson Knox, the tight end, who I love. I mean, I love. He is a baller. He fumbled during the game and made him a few mistakes in this one, but he has talent. It's funny, you, said, you mentioned Knox. Yeah. One catch, 38 yards. That's what I mean. It's, McKenzie, two catches. The long was 46 yards. Right. The other was one yard. Right. John Brown, four Big catches. Yeah. The long one was 46 yards, right? Yeah. Diggs, 47 was his long. Right. Yeah. Beasley, five for 70. He had a 26-yarder. Yeah. You know, so uh, I guess that's where we start, right? Because first off, the weapons, Dayball is on his way to becoming a head coach in the NFL. Just put it on, write it down, everybody now. Brian Dayball will be in week 15. Everyone's going to be going, who's that new offensive hot guy? And it's Brian Dayball, all right? And then the biggest thing is the touch passes by Josh Allen. The touch passes have gone from a three on a one to 10 scale to like a nine Mm. to where it's like, damn, is he just going to drop everyone in there now? I mean, so many 25 yard crossers or an out route where he's figured out how to shorten his motion out and just kind of flick it out there to throw a ball 20, 25 feet in the air that drops down and just drops into the pockets of the receivers on a 20 yard total throw. He's really gotten that down. That, to me, is the biggest thing I see. 
And that's increased his accuracy on those type of throws where we talk about deep throws. And in the analytics world, deep throws are 20-plus yard throws. Well, he's really improved that. And then the go routes and the deep routes on top of that are on the money. But between the plays, the plays are aggressive. They're attacking to why you just mentioned the yards yeah. per catch and all that. And the, there's, still some, there's still some ugly plays in there. there yeah. There, there are a couple. There was almost uh, – Beginning of the third quarter, I think, he almost threw a pick in his own end um, to 53. I forget who that was. Yeah, Kyle Van Noy. Yeah. Um, right. He had that. Yep. That, that, it's almost that, like, is, is he like a, like a Brett Favre who can run better and is just more imposed, physically imposing? He's going to make these awesome, great plays downfield, huge arm. Yeah. But he's going to have some of those plays where you're like, man, what was he doing? I don't think they're ever going to go away totally. Yeah. We're seeing them lessen them, though. Okay. They're lessening. But, yeah, there was that throw, right? And I'm trying to remember all the details like of that throw. One, yeah. Well, then he had run over the safety – Run over the defensive lineman, and yeah. then he fumbled the ball. Right, right. So I liked that one. I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> but like, stop, yeah. stop. Just yeah. go down. Like it's not worth it. I don't want you getting hurt because you're fun to watch. Your team is a Super Bowl contender. They've built a team around you. Finally, you got weapons. Like just go down and don't. Yeah, make that mistake. So it's not perfect, but it's better. I think yeah. you're you're right to have that question. There's no doubt about that. And. Um, what was the other thing I was going to say there? Um, but it's hard to play that man-to-man, the yeah. deep crosses, the good receiver. He's in control of the offense. This is the thing that I think jumps out to me more than anything. Is they trust him in big moments. And to me, that tells me that he's been practicing clean and not doing some of that crazy shit that we just talked about. Where yeah, he's not throwing balls at the defender's chest during practice and the guy drops it or whatever. Sure. So... Because you don't, like, go down and call some of the plays they call to bring them back, to go up 24-20. But even more telling, to be up 24-20 with only three minutes left on a second and nine to take a deep shot down the field. Like, last year, I don't think they do that. I think they go, well, he's just going to throw it. We can't do that. So, with all of that, that's where he's gotten gotten special. And, you know, you're right. You've got to just kind of phase out that one area of his football yeah. game. If possible. But it's, go- it's getting there. It is getting there. Uh, can we look at another player yeah. on the offense that I think has, has helped them a lot? We're going to highlight another player who starred for the Bills offense. Time to take it up to 100, presented by Head and Shoulders. And it's a player that... He's taken it to 100. He's taken it to 100. Yes. And has helped... Uh, Josh Allen immensely. What player is that? Well, it's Stephon Diggs. I mean, Stephon Diggs was one of the prize, prize trade assets of this offset offseason. And not only has he been 100 for the Bills, just like head and shoulders, but like he's been uh, 100 for Josh Allen, that organization, everything. He's he's opened up the whole offense because now you have a go-to guy who could do everything. He and that's where he's special. You know, he fits that offensive system. We talked about this in the offseason. He can run all the Julian Edelman, like, really intricate routes underneath, Mm -hmm. but yet you can line him up inside and go, hey, it's man-to-man, throw a 60-yard bomb to him, and he'll run by it. And that's special in this league, to be able to run routes, be that smart, and then be that explosive. Uh, He's changed their football team, and then it's the ripple effects from that. 
Because now John Brown sees the second best corner and Cole Beasley sees the third best corner. And then if they put Isaiah McKenzie on the field, it's the fourth best corner. And it's just like, who do we defend? What do we do here? Along with Dayball's aggressive play calling and Allen's ability to throw the ball down the field, Diggs has been like the acquisition of the offseason to this point. That was huge. He has taken them from good AFC East team, fringe playoffs, to no, Super Bowl contender. Yeah. I mean, that's where they are right now. For a team in the window with right. a quarterback on his rookie deal, which we know how important that is for salary cap issues, and a defense that's one of the best in football. Yeah, this was the time, right? Right. If you're ever going to spend draft, cattle, uh, draft uh, capital to add to your team, now is the time to do it. Yeah, 13 targets for Diggs, 8 catches, 153 yards, and a touchdown. And it made me um, think back to my days playing varsity baseball. Right. And uh, uh, I, don't, I can't compare myself to a lot of these professional athletes, but I think this does, is that I was playing shortstop, and I could get to any ball. Yeah. But I had a hard time getting it to first base accurately. It'd be in the dirt or whatever. And when I was playing JV, it was like, ah, those are errors. And it's like, ah, but what are you doing? I got called up to varsity, and the first baseman's better. He's, like, picking those plays. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, Ahmed's getting to everything. He's making plays. Like, just the, And I really hadn't changed anything. No. You know? And so for Josh Hallen... Some parts of it, he maybe hasn't changed a whole bunch, but it's like Stephon Diggs makes him look good. And some of those errant passes, like I saw it a couple times. There was one that I thought, oh, that looks like a pick towards the sideline. And Diggs jumped up and caught it. He just went, yeah, he jumped up and I know caught what it you're talking about. in front of the, right. the defensive back. And it's just like how much he can help Josh Allen get over some of those. I, that is a very fair assessment. You know, you, you, you see sometimes that. You know, that pitcher in baseball is, like, not putting up great minor league numbers, but then he gets to the pros and he's better. He's just you get, you get taught a few different things or whatever sure. it is, the talent around you. Again, talent around you is imperative. Josh Allen's awesome. You know, Aaron Rodgers is awesome. Patrick Mahomes are awesome. You know, but we, I just sometimes think we forget that, like, Patrick Mahomes has a superstar cast around him. I know he's awesome. But he's always had that first baseman, right? Yeah. So he's never had that, like, we never had that moment of going, man, it doesn't look good. It's a little rough because it's been a good team and a good support system around him. No no different here. And I think you're right. It's taken the pressure off him. It's probably made him focus on, man, I have a deep threat now. I need to throw more deep balls and practice Mm -hmm. it more and get the timing and rhythm going. But they are very, very impressive to watch so far. Dangerous offense. Playmaking building is ridiculous. The offense is the real deal, and I think he's in the trust tree. Even like you said, yeah, he almost threw an interception when they were backed up in the end zone. The big thing to me was they were letting him throw backed up in the end zone. Yeah. That to me tells me he's practicing and doing all the other things to give Sean McDermott the confidence to go, okay, he won't fuck it up. They believe in him. Yep. He's got Stephon Diggs to help him out too. That was taken up to 100, presented by Head and Shoulders. Or as I like to say, 100. Hundo. Hundy. Hundo. Hundo. I think Hundo's more old. Yeah. That's more like old school. Got a Hundo. Making it Hundo. Right. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win defeating every shifting threat protecting our nation's future the few the proud the marines want to make mom's day get to your nordstrom rack now and score amazing deals for mother's day which is sunday may 12th 
Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Uh, let's go. Let's move on. Yeah. We've got Tom Brady. We've got Drew Brees. We're going to okay. get through those two. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. The two old, old quarterbacks. The old timers. The old fogies. Uh, let's go Brady first. Yeah. Uh, which we skipped them accidentally in the Monday pod, Bucks and Panthers. Inexcusable. It is inexcusable. Inexcusable. I hold myself accountable. Uh, okay, so let's go. Um, we got a couple comments on Brady here. And yeah. I think if go we ahead. start with one of these comments. Let me hear here. them all. Just um, get them all out of the way. Bradley now. Clem, yeah. three. Says Brady looks like he's going to have an aneurysm with the penalties and drops. Arian <laughs> said they left 125 yards and three touchdowns and drops on the field. There were some bad ones. Oh, McCoy bad. McCoy in the end zone. Right. Uh, um, the other receiver, um, yeah, was it Miller? He dropped one on the second drive of the game, I believe, or one of the. They ended up scoring a touchdown anyways, but he threw a deep crossing route, and I mean, it was beautiful throw. Beautiful, right on the money. Tom's left some out there, too, that flea flicker he underthrew. Yeah, should have been a touchdown. I will say this. The flea flicker, first off, can be tricky sometimes. And we showed this on Football Night in America. He didn't have the laces. He had his thumb on the lace. But don't forget, in September in Tampa, swamp ass is real. Okay. And let alone you had to hand the ball to a sweaty-ass running back, too, who does this and then throws it back to you. And it's, you can throw some wobblers. You have some throws every now and then in Tampa during this time of the year where you just go, I just got to get it there. Yeah. It's not going to be perfect. Will pro football focus note that it could have been swamp ass on the ball? No, I don't know. But again, you know, yes, you're right. We should, write them, an e- we should write them an email, maybe. <laughs> yes. uh, okay. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah. What's PFF your next comment? has charted Brady with seven drop passes, speaking of them. Yeah. Matches the highest of any quarterback uh, in a game the last two seasons. So that hasn't been good for him. Um, but I, I think overall he looks he looks fine, right? I, agreed. I mean, his arm is top-notch. I, I mean, I, I sit there in amazement with his arm. I mean, some of the throws he made, like you talked about, the drops, things like that. I mean, yeah, those were on the screws, like scrambling to the right, throwing to LaShawn McCoy in the back of the end zone. I mean, that was high, high-level throw. You know, really everything. You know, a few of the drops I'll blame on Brady. Like, he threw a check down to the back, and, like, O.J. Howard, if he, he threw him so freaking hard, and they were only, like, three feet from him. I just want to be like, man, how are they going to catch that? He wants to show he still has the arm strength. He does have the arm strength. I don't have any doubt about that. I'm, that's nothing to, nothing to deal with. Biggest thing here that I took away, just early on, I felt like there was more spread formations. More spread the field out, get in the New England-type formations, let him make a type throw. Thought I saw a few New England-type concepts, mm. too, early just to go, hey, he's comfortable with this. Let's go from there. Okay. Now, um, I said the arm looks great. You know, he's made so many big throws. 
you know, he made an unbelievable versus Tampa, too, post-throw down the middle to Mike Evans for, I believe, Evans' biggest gain of the day. That was the 50-yarder. That was just... Early on, was that in the yeah, first Yeah, it was the first quarter. It might have been the... It was at the first drive. It was, right. I mean, that was, that was a, a, I mean, a, a rocket. And he throws it with such ease. I think that's the great thing. Then, you know, he gets the TD pass to Mike Evans, the hitch and go, right? Mm-hmm. You know, pump fake. Pump fake, double move, not open. DB's ready for the double move. Brady goes, get ready to turn around. He's in front of you. I'm going to throw a laser on your back shoulder. And Evans was kind of late to turn around and recognize him. But Brady like, just threw it. It was like he either turns around or he's going to look like a fool and it's going to hit him. <laughs> and he turned around and he caught it. So that was great. I mean, he really threw the ball phenomenal. He looked really good early. I almost wonder if they took the foot off the gas as the game went on. or what? Well, I think, yeah, they're not a perfect, you know, perfect, uh, what do I want to say, or a finished, finished product yet, yeah. all right? But I think that, you know, two, did he, did he still leave some yards on the field? I do think he did. There's a few times where I still go, hey, Tom, I wish you'd just sit there and one more hitch because you're going to hit the 20-yard out. He's open or, or the, the, like the deep crosser over the middle or whatever that is. But I'm not going to sit there and, like, go crazy about that. He's going to get more and more comfortable with, okay. with that. But, you know, I think the big thing to take away more than anything is to spread him out, you know, spread him out, throw it quick, and then here's the other thing they did. And when they wanted to be aggressive and try to throw the ball down the field, they max protected. So that probably made him feel better, too, to going, okay, I got legitimately like six blockers or seven blockers here to let two or three guys downfield work. And that was something that really jumped out to me about the football game. Quick throws, they spread it out. Brady, make a quick decision, accurate throw. Okay, it's time, like, Bruce wants to throw a chunk play. Get two tight ends on the end of the line scrimmage. Let's keep a few of them in the block. And let's block him up, make him feel good, and hopefully he'll strike down the field. And I, th- I think I saw a good combination of that throughout the game when I think Brady was comfortable for the most part. One of the questions coming into the season was how they were going to protect Tom Brady if they were going to be able to yeah. do it effectively. Wolfman182 asks you, wondering what your thoughts are on Tristan Wirfs. It's been better than I would have expected at You're right tackle. Him. I was not out of the draft. No, I was very, and I was really concerned about him at tackle. Because I worried about his feet. I mean, he had so many people run by him in college. But to Ooh, this, is it, is it Jeff Schwartz who works for Pac-12, former lineman in the media? Now? Yeah, I, I think it is. Yeah, it's Jeff Twitter. Schwartz. Yeah, I believe it is. He Mitchell Schwartz's brother. Showed a video of Tristan Wirfs pedaling backwards. Um, it was insane. Well, his it legs like, are unreal. His, it was like, yeah, he's moving like a running back. I was like, how is he doing that? He's a phenomenal athlete. But, you know, in college at times, I think he just may- maybe is relying on his power or whatever. He just, his feet would get stuck in the ground. And it's like he thought he could just move you with his upper body or whatever that is. And he had moments like when he played the Yeeter Grossmatos, right, from Penn State. Yeah. I mean, he made him look silly. He beat him like every other play the whole game. And that scared me a little. But obviously he's been coached up the right way. The other thing, too, it looks like he's lost a little weight. Yeah. And, hey, I hope everybody, and this has been driving me crazy, because I really want to shit on everybody that got at me on Twitter. One, for the first, the Earl Thomas thing. Like, still not on the team, right? Yeah. All right. So maybe he's not one of the ten best safeties in football, like Chris said. And then Leonard Fournette. I mean, those have been probably my two recent arguments with people. Like, Fournette's trash? Really? He's trash? What? 
No. He should have had 150 yards and not hit 103. <laughs> not 103 off of 12 downs. carries, right. Yeah. Yeah. He's he, still got something in the tank. He does. He's going to bring something to their football team because they're not a great run-blocking offensive line team, but he's the perfect guy because he's like opposite Saquon Barkley, right, where it's like there's nothing there. He doesn't care. He just puts his head down and goes 100 miles per hour yeah. and just goes, and it's like, oh, gain of two. But you're like, whoa, okay. But because he runs that style – just like you saw the touchdown run, if he gets like the slightest crack, he's going a zillion miles per hour, and he's a big guy to where, uh-oh, watch out. And then they get a 230-pound guy running away from 195-pound DBs. It's scary. Um, so he's going to allow them to close games out, and that's yeah. what he did. Like, you know, we talk about Atlanta. Did, right? Why yeah. you can't do that? They don't have the toughness up front. They don't have the running back, the sledgehammer in there. Now, Tampa, Brady, this pass game gets going – Okay, yeah, oh, hey, we've spotted ourselves a 10-point lead. It's Leonard Fournette time. Good luck tackling that sucker in the fourth quarter. You have fun with that. One last one about this game in Tom Brady. Yeah. Wolf, no, 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 no. Uh, Go Fish Steve. Yeah. Go Fish Steve. Curious your thoughts on Gronk being non-existent thus far. Yes. Um, One target. We talked about how horrible he looked week one. It was better looking in week two. Okay. He didn't look like he was running in lava. This week, at least. His knees at least came up yeah. to, like, hip level. Yeah. He dropped a pass where Brady threw a seam route to him on the screws. They called pass interference on the guy covering Gronkowski, or I think defensive holding before he made a little, like, out-and-up move. But, yeah, he's still a little ways off. There hasn't been a lot of production from the tight ends in general yet. Right. And we'll just, uh, yeah. That, that's Howard been, had one catch for 11 yards. Right. It's, it's yeah. not much. So they haven't been unable to infuse them into the offense quite yet. So we'll see where it goes. It was definitely better this week. There was moments of staleness. You know, like I said, Brady made some great throws. Are there still a few throws out there? I go, man, just hang in there and throw it. The pocket was good. You had somebody downfield. Yes. And then the interception. That might be the last thing I say. The interception was just like the week one interception. It was play-action pass. He got pressure. And it's like he's not comfortable in the offense yet to know where to throw the ball or who to check it down to, so he just right. throws it. He just threw it. It was like, you know, you just don't see Brady do that kind of he stuff. He did, yeah. But it was like people around him, and he's like, I don't know what to do. It, Here, like he you hairy. catch it. You're right. He was like really, really it, it's, it's, and, Right. It's what he did with the week one first interception. It was yeah. a play action, Evans down the middle. So, you know, other than that, though, it was a very impressive day, and he got that Mike-Evans combination going. And I would like to know, that Tristan Wirfs, before we end that conversation, did jump out of a pool in the offseason. Oh, that's... He wanted to remind us of that. I know. That's what I was thinking of. have a Wirfs conversation without noting that viral video. Yeah. Uh, last one, Drew Brees, lost to the Raiders by 10 in Las Vegas, has only three passes 20 or more yards downfield this season. He was 0 for 1 on Monday night. Um, so they're not throwing the ball downfield. And here's the problem. He wasn't throwing the ball that accurately short either no. in this game. And I will note that your top 40 quarterback rankings for 2020 had Drew Brees 16 and Derek Carr 19, closer together than most people probably thought was appropriate. Yeah. And probably in five weeks from now, people are going to go, how could you have Drew Brees ahead of Derek Carr? <laughs> Who I would take Derek Carr in a heartbeat or, over Drew or Brees. Or the, the flack I got for having Cam Newton in front of Tom Brady and Drew Brees. That might have been some of the worst Ooh, slack I got, too. That's a good one. Right. So that ends that. Ended we should that. do a whole 
quarterback, Chris Sims' top 40 victory lap. Yeah. Like, I, all the different things where you're like, hey, remember when you thought this was dumb? Yeah. Well, guess what? It wasn't. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, I'll be able to take a lot of victory laps. There will be a few where I have to take a, you know, get shit on lap, too. You know, Kirk <laughs> Cousins was in front of Brady and Breeze, too. That ain't looking real good right now, either. It's early. So, it's early. It's, it's early. early. So, we'll see. But, um Drew's had these issues, you know. We talked about this last year. This is not necessarily anything different than what we've seen before. I do think what's different is what you said. I think that's the per- like we've seen through two weeks some short passes where we go, "What the hell?" Like he never misses that, or you know, it's always right in stride, and somebody has to fall to the ground or stop and catch it at their knees and things like that. We see those type of things. First thing I'll say is. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was on TV. Okay. When I watched on film, I came away going, it wasn't that bad. It really wasn't. I think it's a little misleading because in the second half, they only had the ball one time in the third quarter. The Raiders' defense, offense, just, the Raiders offense just steamrolled the Saints' defense and kept breezing them off the field. So even though they went through that little stale period in the second quarter – it felt like the third quarter was stale, too, but they only had the ball once. So that, I think, made us feel even more. And then it's all, oh, man, the Raiders are up 14. And wait, the Saints' numbers aren't that good, and Brady's and Breeze isn't putting up anything special to where I think that, like, jumpstarts the conversation even more. Now, he got some cheap late end of the game yards. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, but I think we're just going to break down his game. I mean, Elvin Kamara is their only offensive weapon yeah. at times in that game. Yes. It was like, if it's not Elvin Kamara, uh, Traquan Smith. Yeah, had a few players. moments, yep. But it's like Elvin Kamara is the offense, at least in that game. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think that's where it hurt that, you know, there's no Michael Thomas yep. because he's so great at the Drew Brees type of throws where Drew's still like, you know, we know this. He's not a power thrower, and especially at this point of his career. So his ability to hit Thomas in those five and eight and ten-yard routes – is what makes them special. That's taken away. That's why Traquan Smith had some better stats, too. He got to take some of those plays. But, yeah, they're not going to scare you with that group. And um, with, with, with them specifically, without him and everything like that, you're right, they lean on Alvin Kamara. Now, they probably should have ran Kamara more, but here would be the big thing. I mean, they threw to him nine times. Yeah, so. they should have ran more, though. That's yeah. where I was a little surprised, hmm. too, because they were gashing them early yeah. on. I mean, he really was impressive. First pass of the night, he almost throws an interception on a crossing route. Should have been picked. Abrams had it in both of his hands. That, that to me, is just a microcosm of what it is right there because, like, he had to throw a ball to Jared Cook, but because his arm cannot really throw great pace on the football, he sometimes has to guess with those throws. Does that make sense? Because yeah. he can't really, like, oh, it's open. Now let me get in there and throw a rifle, like, you know, a Rodgers or a Kyler Murray or even yeah. Brady, right? They can kind of see it come open and then throw. He doesn't have that luxury. So he has to kind of go like, it looks like it's about to come open. Let me put it over there. Right. Oh, wait, it's not open. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, that guy didn't move the way I thought he was going to move. Or, and With that, a little more arm strength, he could wait another fraction. Away, so that affects some of those throws and that, to that. So that, that's exactly right. All right, then... You know, they, the, the Saints had their way with the Raiders' D the first few series. Everything's going good. But, yeah, does he leave some, some big passes on the field? No doubt about it. I mean, to me, one of the turning points of the game, it's 10 nothing. It's third and five. He had Cook on the out-of-bound boundary. And 
They ended up calling offensive pass interference, okay? But regardless, the pass should have been hit. You would have got at least another down to replay the down, right? Because yeah. it would have gone third down. But he's wide open on a 14-yard out route. I mean, he had to throw the ball 25 feet in the air and give it like the steroid jerk to get it over there, and it went over his head by like six feet. So it's things like that that are concerning. So does this make a team that yeah. when they're down 14, it's going to be hard for them to come back? Yeah. It's never been easy for them. Yeah. That was a stat I think that was led, read by Steve Levy during the game where I don't think Drew Brees ever has had an NFL comeback down 14 points. Wow. I think that tells I you. see that. Wow. Because it's, he can't – they're not the type of team and he's not the type of quarterback that can lead you on those drives we just talked about. Where, oh, five plays, 70 yards, they went down and scored. Right. Like, that, that's not their style. They are one of those teams that can do 10 plays, 80 yards, 10 plays, 80 yards, because he's accurate and smart, and he's got a great play caller. Um, but really, the story of the game is not so much the offense as the defense getting just annihilated by this, the Raiders in a lot of ways. And the Raiders right? did the opposite. I mean, a lot of times we talk about Derek Carr in the same way we talk about Drew Brees. Yeah. John Gruden's being careful with him. Right. Short passes, got to make it 10 plays, 80 yards down the field. No, they were letting, at least in the second half, it seemed like they were letting Derek Carr they let wing it. it they did. The they let it go. Well, you just, you know, they have some talent at the receiver position, and they had some mismatches. And then they have a great Derek run Waller game. Waller might be a mismatch for Anybody. a lot of teams. Anybody. Before the season, credit to you again, we were talking about Kelsey, we were talking about Kittle. We are like, who's third? And you said, it might be Darren Waller. Yeah. They threw to him 16 times. He caught 12 of them. Uh, it just seemed like wherever he was on the field, they're like, yep, he's, he's got that matchup. He's the mismatch. Yeah, he's a, he's a freak. Now, Carr is the same thing. Carr, you want to throw the ball down the field more, too. But, man, Carr, his, like a breeze, so accurate, good, good decision maker, and gives guys like Waller balls on the money all the time to where they can keep running in stride after the catch. But wait, I just want to finish with Breeze, right? Oh. It's okay. I know. Sorry. Yeah. But I thought you were going to the offense. I know. I don't the know. Saints defense, I know. But, but that was a big issue. Is this, I was trying to that say was that was an issue to why it was. me right I there. did. I totally <laughs> deked you. Totally. But, you know, I'm sitting there going 17-7, right, Saints, and they're having their way. I said, Breeze is playing well. I have got no, no complaint other yeah. than maybe that first throw we talked about. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a pretty picky evaluator. I know it wasn't perfect, and I'd like to see him push the ball, but it was still, it was playing well. Now, right before the half, I don't understand what he did with the interception. You know, he throws yeah. a ball. It was a little bit like we just talked with Brady. He got pressure, and it was just like he was like, ah, you take it, like hot potato. Bad. I don't know who he was throwing to. I don't know either. It looked like he was, I think it was Trey Quan, or it might have been Emmanuel Sanders. Okay. But there was clearly a zone-dropping linebacker that was sitting right there. Right. Had never really moved. But who knows? Maybe Breeze didn't see him. Maybe he just didn't gauge the distance of where it was. But that was a big turnover. Led to a field goal, and it was tied at half. Led to a field goal, and they got the the New England thing. Because then they got the ball to start the second half, and it's a 10-point swing. Because they went right down and scored on a long, long drive. And that's when they really started to get out of rhythm. You know, it was a nine-play, 75-yard drive by the Raiders to start the second half. So there's the Saints getting the ball back um, with, a, un, you know, under 10 minutes. They don't do anything. And there you have it all of a sudden. You're going, whoa, the Raiders went on another long drive. And that was that. But mm-hmm. um, I, I think here, here would be my, you know, hey, arm is weak. Did you write in, put in Jameis Winston? Nope, I did not. I'm not, I'm not 
panicked about this yet. I'm not. I'm concerned, okay? Like the arm is weak, like I said. You know, too much of this that bothers me. Look at the first read, go right to the check down. That bothers me a little sometimes because it's, it's hard to get people open in the NFL. So if you're going to pass up off, you know, open receivers just to get a completion or whatever, you know, you're, you're going to put your offense at a handicap. So there was definitely a handful of plays where I went, wait, the pocket's good. I know you looked at the first guy. He wasn't open, but that guy and that guy are open. But you didn't even look at him. It was just first guy, nope, not wide open. Here you go, Kamara. Here you go, Latavius Murray. And it's going to be hard to be an explosive offense if your quarterback's doing that. So we'll see where that goes. Here would be one other thing I'll just say about this, yeah. too. In the past, they've always been this way. High percentage, short passes, all that, right? You know that. But in the past, where they were a little bit more dangerous, because Sean Payton would have a few plays every game, and he'd go, Drew, when I call this play, we're throwing it deep. I'm calling it because I feel like I got them. I know what they're doing. This is my shot play of the week. So if I call it, you just throw it. I don't want you. There's no reading anything. I'm calling it because we got it. Off. Turn it off. Just let it fly. Well, he's been burned by that the last few years. He's had those few plays, and Breeze hasn't been able to get it there, and it's been intercepted. So I feel like those plays don't even get called anymore. Hmm. There's no, like, it looks like they're going to run it on second and three yeah. in a heavy tight end set, and he used to run a play action, and all of a sudden he'd pop up, and it was Ted Gidd down the field, and you'd go, oh, and that would keep defenses honest because you go, oh, shit, we got to worry about that, you know. Right. That's not even, you know, playoff games the last two years. Those were those plays. He threw interceptions on them both times, underthrew it. There was a few other times during last year's regular season, the same thing, to where I think Sean Payton's afraid to do those type of plays now. And that leads to uh, an issue as well. And, and I think that's why the numbers and the short passes are probably even more accentuated right now than maybe years past. Got to figure it out. Saints are uh, going to struggle perhaps to score some points. They're going to lean on that defense. Good defense to do that with. Um, so we'll see if they can... They can do that. All right. You ready? Ready. Finally, the last part of the podcast. Trevor Lawrence top pick power rankings. Oh, yeah. And I want to note that these are the picks for we think is the team's most likely to get Trevor Lawrence. Not that they will draft Trevor Lawrence. Right. But we think they'll get the number one pick and perhaps trade it to a Maybe team. Maybe trade, right, right, right. They're in position to have the the to have the asset of correct underneath them or whatever. I'm so saying. Uh, three teams have fallen out of my top five. The wow. Bengals were at four. The Browns were at two. They played too competitive of a game. It was too competitive. How they dare sh- they? They showed they showed too much promise on offense. Both of those teams right. where I didn't feel comfortable keeping them in the top five. So I'm sorry, Bengals, Browns, you're out. Jaguars, I'm sorry, too. They were five, and they're out. They're, they're blowing it. It almost looks like they maybe might be good or something. Maybe they found a franchise quarterback in Gardner <laughs> Minshew, right? I right. Mean, it's just, so, so they're out of it, and they're way out of it, too. I don't know if I'll be putting them back in anytime soon. Right. Uh, so our, our, we've got three new teams in here then. Number five, Falcons. Coming on strong. Coming on strong. With a defense that looks like we'll keep them in the conversation. Right. Like the offense scares me. The offense can beat some people. But this defense, I feel like, will keep them in the conversation most of the year. I can, yes, they will. You're right. Number four, the Vikings. I did not think, when this season started, yeah. that the Vikings would be in the top five. Yeah. But they've really shown some things uh, offensively, throwing Oof. 95 yards. Oof. That right there is indicating to your owner, to your fan base, 
that we need a guy like Trevor Lawrence. Disaster. Like, like in all seriousness, all right? Yes. Let's just stop here with the Vikings real quick. Yeah, okay. If they're like have the number one pick or the number two pick, and let's just say the team that has the number one pick doesn't need the quarterback or whatever. Yeah. They might take Trevor Lawrence. I don't care if Kirk Cousins is there or not. They will. I think they will. Kirk Cousins said, I, 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 this is not, I think only has one more year on his contract after this. Think one more year. Is it yeah. one more, right? But so, who knows with those contracts, right? They're like, I know. One year, oh, no, he has no years. How did that happen? <laughs> no, I know. I think, though, he did get the little extension after okay. this year and got some more guarantee. I think it's one more year. And if it's just one more year and this year continues to go this way, yeah, they could draft Trevor Lawrence and just say, hey, either beat out mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins or we'll trade Kirk Cousins or you sit behind Kirk Cousins for a year. Number three is a, uh, a new addition to the list. Two years, Pete says. Two years for Kirk Cousins. He's got two more. Yeah. Damn. I, I don't know then. They got to go like uh, mafia style and make those years disappear somehow. Like, gone. We're going to whack them? <laughs> no, not yeah. him. The contract. Uh, number three, Panthers. Yeah. They were not ranked last week, but they lost to the Bucks. And without Christian McCaffrey, because um, I think that that's, that's going to hurt them. It is going to hurt them. There's no doubt. I was, I mean, watching them play uh, in their tape. I was like, wow. I was like, Sean Payton went 5-0 and with Teddy Bridgewater. Not that he had Teddy Bridgewater, but you talk about Drew Brees not having the arm strength. It appears that Teddy Bridgewater is in that same vein there. So. He is. He so is. There are three, uh, but the top two, I will say, have put themselves in a tier by themselves. Right. They're in a tier by themselves. Yeah. They're an elite company right now. Number two is the Detroit Lions. Uh, Could have got a win in week number one, blew it against the Bears. I was like, all right, that was kind of weird. Uh, I put him number three in the rankings last week. But then to get absolutely dominated by the Packers in a game where you jumped out to a 14-3 lead, I was like, that's, that's showing me something. That is there. showing you. That's showing you they want Trevor back. They want him. Yeah. They want him badly. Um, but number one is the same team that was number one last week, the New York Jets. After their loss to the 40ers, I call them the 40ers because they were missing. They're missing like, nine guys. guys. <laughs> yeah. I call them the 40ers. I mean, they good. still lost 31 <laughs> to 13. Um, so th- they're solidly number one. They should be. Lions solidly number two. Everyone else kind of jockeying for position there. But we've got two elite teams uh, as of right now in the Trevor top pick. Power yeah, I, I think you're probably right with those two teams right now. I do. And I think with, you know, the Lions – I mean, they're going to take Trevor Lawrence. If this year doesn't work out this way, I mean, I don't think Matt Stafford will be there. I think it'll just be like one of those things where it's been like, hey, it's been good, but let's just move on. Maybe you need a new team, and we yeah. need to start a new fresh look here. The Jets. They have a decision to make if that really does happen. I, and I don't think they do because, I mean, I think you're yes. perfectly fine with Sam Darnold. Again, just the same conversation we've had with so many other quarterbacks. You've got to give the guy some help. I mean, he's not Superman. Trade I mean, down, get two first-round picks, get him a receiver. I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do. But, I mean, all they I know is – They want to draft on defense. That, they need to draft everything. They have the worst <laughs> roster in football. Their receivers can't get open. You know you're not a good team when you're featuring Chris Hogan as your go-to guy in week two of the NFL season. Yeah. I mean, that's just – Chris Hogan, I love him, went to my high school. But, I mean, he's not at that point in his career where he should even be close to that conversation. So they have issues, and it's not Sam Darnold. He's with the last thing they need to worry about there. All right, that's it. Way to go, baby. Tomorrow you're back with... Picks Pod. The Picks Pod. And you're on P, uh, PFTPM as well? 
Well, that's that's the pick spot. It goes oh, to PFT PM. Yeah, yeah. So that's over on Peacock. That'll be on Peacock. Right? Yeah. So we'll tape it after PFT tomorrow, Good. and okay. then do the Chris Sims unbutton Mike Florio PFT PM Join. collaboration on Peacock. On Peacock. Right. I got Peacock on my Roku now. Did you? Super pumped about that. Good. Yeah. Good. Good to hear it. All right. So don't wear that shirt again for at least two more podcasts. All right. <laughs> you got that? It's been a while. Okay. I feel like. Sure it has. Sure. All right, everybody. Peace out. Hope everybody enjoyed the What the Fuck Happened Wednesday edition of our podcast. You know we'll be back doing this every Wednesday. Picks podcast with me and Florio tomorrow. Florio's hot with best bets and stuff. People might want to tune into that. I've been picking good, too. You're going to win money if you listen to me. I am determined to have a better year in picks this year. I've gotten off to a good start. All right. Way to go. Ahmed Freed. Say bye. Clap it up, baby. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.